Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. You have one message. First message. Hey, Luke. It's Josh. I just heard Aaron's response about Roadhouse and wanted to say it sounds a whole lot like he was agreeing with me. While it may be painful for him to watch, he still said it's fun. Fun equals entertainment, which I think is what I said I watch movies for. I want to be entertained. I never said it was a great classic film. It's a good movie. It's a fun movie. And Dalton is a bad A. Anyway, talk to you later. No remaining messages. From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 1, Episode 15, Indie 1.0, an origin story. Today, we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, May 27, 1989. Well, friends, we finally made it. The sixth and final week of having the same album at the top of the Billboard charts, Madonna's Like a Prayer. But get ready, because the album that replaces it next week will hold the spot for an impressive seven consecutive weeks. Another album that turned 30 this week that definitely didn't chart, but did launch the career of a band that's still actively touring and making new music today, the debut EP from punk rock trio and rock and roll Hall of Fame members Green Day entitled 1,000 Hours. I gave it a listen this week for the first time, and I'll just say it has not aged nearly as well as the music they'd go on to release in the mid-90s. Although, in their defense, considering they were barely old enough to drive when they released it, it's not terrible. The number one single in the country again this week was Paula Abdul's Forever Your Girl, about which I have virtually no opinion whatsoever. So, moving on. 30 Years Ago This Week was the debut of what immediately became my favorite movie and remains high on my list today. Very high, in fact. The third, and in my humble opinion, best film from the still-growing Indiana Jones franchise. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I cannot overstate the deep love I felt and still feel for this movie. A few weeks back, I had the great pleasure of sitting down with one of my dearest friends and most consistent co-hosts on this show, actor and filmmaker Aaron Hale, to discuss it live at Houston's Comic Palooza 2019. Fair warning before we jump into this conversation, though. As we were sitting in the middle of this very loud, very busy exhibition hall surrounded by cosplayers and connoisseurs of pop culture, we found it very hard to stay focused. It's an odd sensation to try and carry on a conversation about Harrison Ford and Sean Connery while Wolverine, Darth Vader, and the Mother of Dragons pose for selfies in the background. So we jump around a bit. That being said, Comic Palooza was a blast as always, and we had so much fun chatting about this cinematic treasure. So here's our conversation about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Aaron, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So we are live right now from 
Houston Comic Palooza 2019. Aaron, this is your first Comic Con, right? Yeah, this is amazing. What do you think so far? I really like being able to come to a place like this, and you can just be a fan yeah. of anything. You can be a fan of anything fully, and fully, and be fully into it, immersed in whatever you're a fan of. And everyone here loves you, accepts you for it, and it's so great. So we are celebrating this week 30 years since the release of. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Probably one of the first movies that ever changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Tell me about it. I was seven years old. I remember it. Actually, I must not have been seven. May of 89, so I was turning seven. I remember going to see this with my family in the theater. And I remember feeling like maybe I was too young, which gave it a little bit of a excitement. Yeah. I remember sitting next to my mom, and I still remember the feeling of every moment. This is the perfect adventure film. Yes. Right? I mean, they're really any of the Indiana Jones movies are the perfect adventure films. This one, the first three, let's say. Yeah. Well, this was the first one I saw. Right. So I remember just being on the edge of my seat, just enthralled the entire movie. And then I remember like having to cover my eyes at the end when the face melts and all that. It was so terrifying, but also like so cool that I was like getting to see this in the theater. And I was beside myself afterwards. I mean, I went home and took a jump rope cut one of the ends of the jump rope off and it was my whip and so i was whipping obsessed. your twin sister yeah every time i played i was indiana jones from this point on for years let's talk about his whip it is sort of a magical whip have you noticed this yeah i rewatched all three oh, yeah. of the first three films it's this week absurd. <laughs> and the things the links that he can reach and the things that he can do yeah, with yeah. his whip are remarkable yeah it's it's pretty silly but in the best kind of way yeah. every hero needs to have his tool of choice sure and his was a whip yeah i love it so at that point in my life every movie that i saw in theaters was my favorite yeah movie. of course yeah this one though when i saw it i knew it was going to hold that spot for a while and yeah. so for like at least two or three months it just sure. was my favorite yeah my yeah, actual yeah. favorite movie yeah and i will say today 30 years later it's still my favorite of the series yeah i love raiders yeah. i love temple of doom oh yeah but last crusade to me far and away the best yeah one. oh yeah it's the funniest you got the father-son relationship. Yeah. Which I mean, is Sean really, Connery's oh, and Sean a Connery. father. Oh, and it was our introduction into Indiana Jones, right? Was it your introduction? No, I'm you sure had I had seen, seen. I'd probably seen Temple. I don't know that I saw Raiders. I would have been. I mean, Raiders I came saw out Temple when I was two years old. A little so. while after this one, and loved it. Temple for several years. <laughs> I, and I, what's I rewatched funny, that this weekend. It's like, man, they jump shark on that movie. It is so insane. bad. And just think about the things that happen in that movie. It is unbelievable yeah. the things they got away with. And I read that Steven Spielberg made Last Crusade as an apology really? for Temple of Doom because he hated Temple of Doom also. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. And that he was like, well, we got to close this out on a high note with something that's good. And so he made this one. Which is incredible. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know if anyone you know made the fourth one and we don't have to yeah, talk about that. But there's that. a fifth one coming. So right. hopefully they will once again redeem Yeah, we'll themselves. see. Except Harrison Ford is 77 years yeah, old. Yeah. So. Maybe he's going to be... He could totally still do it. Here's hoping. So I want us to play a little game. Okay. We're getting ready here in a couple of weeks to have the very first 30 Pop Trivia Night at Cafeza in Houston. So if folks are in Houston, come out June 12th. But I wanted us to play a little trivia game in advance of that. Okay. That I'm going to call Choose Wisely. So I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. If you answer correctly, I will let you know that you have chosen wisely. Okay, perfect. If you don't, I will tell you you've chosen poorly. Yeah. Okay, so and yeah. you, you have some trivia that you can throw back at me. We'll go back and forth with it. Possibly. Sure. Okay, here's your first question. Oh, boy. 
River Phoenix, yes, who played young Indiana Jones in the opening 17 minutes of the uh-huh. film, was best friends with another young 80s movie heartthrob. Who was it? Wasn't Keanu Reeves? It's Keanu Reeves. <laughs> you have chosen wisely. Thank you. I knew that question would make you so happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, which I heard. I speaking of freakishly. This is not <laughs> drawn. Quit, to quit. Keanu Reeves. Harrison Ford chose River Phoenix personally. He recommended that he would be the one to play the young. Nice. I saw in, as I was researching. I saw that they had a close friendship. And by the way, spot on. Oh, he nailed it. Perfect. He he's did perfect. so good. I wish they could have made. A young Indiana Jones movie with yeah. him. Yeah, I used to watch The Chronicles. Remember that show? I've heard of it. It's terrible. But also perfect casting was the fat guy mm-hmm. that played his buddy. Yeah. With the rosy cheeks that plays the trumpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Herman. <laughs> you know. Do you know that that kid, in the five months after they stopped filming till the release of the film, he lost 175 pounds? Oh, my God. He weighed 290 when they filmed. And fun fact, in that opening scene when he falls off his horse, that wasn't scripted. <laughs> when that happened, like, That's amazing. Spielberg thought it was so funny. They tried to reshoot it a couple times the next day yeah. to get close-ups, and they finally stopped because they're like, he's going to hurt himself. Yeah, but, but he's <laughs> going to hurt himself. But he didn't know that was in the film until he actually went oh, to the screening. Awesome. But he lost 175 pounds in five months. So you know River Phoenix died a few years after this sure. film, sadly. Mm-hmm. One month before his death, he expressed interest in the starring role in a film that wouldn't release until 1995, a role that wound up going to Leonardo DiCaprio. What was that film? Was it Romeo and Juliet? It was that, not. That you came in 96. Hang on. Okay. Did it come in 96? I think it came out in 96. I'll give you one uh, more. I'll give you one more. 95 guess. went to Leonardo DiCaprio. Give me a hint. I did. <laughs> River Phoenix tried, tried okay, to get the role. Okay, cool. Uh, I can't think of what Leonardo DiCaprio was in okay. in 95. Then you have chosen poorly. Oh, was it the De Niro movie? No. No. Oh, Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) The Basketball Diaries. Oh, yeah. He wanted the starring role in The Basketball Diaries. What a strange... I mean, he would have been great. I mean, I think it's weird that Leonardo's in that movie, Yeah, honestly, yeah. Okay, hit me. Oh, my gosh. I mean, most of my trivia is not question-worthy. It's just like, did you know that blah, blah, blah. This is a great game, then. Thank you for coming prepared. I'll give you one more, then. I chose poorly on that last one. Did you you say that? Yeah, yeah, you're one and one right now. Yeah. Here's a tiebreaker. Acting is not the only craft... Which Harrison Ford is carpenter. You've chosen wisely. Wow. Yeah, he was a master carpenter before he became a film star. <laughs> right. Isn't that crazy? Later on, like he was like pretty up in there, up in the age, up in age when he became an up in the age, whatever. Yeah, but it makes the the moment where he chooses the Holy Grail uh-huh. even more significant. Yeah. Says that's the cup of a carpenter. He's down with carpenters. He would know, you know. Yeah. Who's your favorite uh, Indiana Jones character other than Indiana Jones? Young Indiana Jones. Really? Yeah. Just Indiana Jones across the board? Well, I mean, Short Round was great, but that's That's what I was going to say, Short Round. Also famous for the Goonies. Yeah, yeah, outside of Indiana Jones. Right, right. Did you know that they had 2,000 rats get birthed for this? They had them literally make these rats. Why would I know that? For the movie. It's an interesting fact. Okay, well, I read it somewhere. That's how I knew it. Yeah. So that they were getting disease-free rats. That's why. This is good content. Thank you for sharing that. You don't have to use it. I probably won't. (laughs) That's going to be behind the paywall. Oh, here's a good one. Is it really a good one? It's not a question. This is really good. There's a line where Indiana Jones says to his dad, Henry Jones, 
he turns to me and said, how did you know she was a Nazi? And Sean Connery's character says, she, she talks, talks in her sleep. sleep. Yeah. He improvised that line. Really? And it, they had to stop shooting because everyone was dying laughing. And, she, and Steven Spielberg was like, we're using that. Nice. She Fine. talks in her sleep. <laughs> That's not my favorite. My favorite. Oh, yeah. You said Sean you got Connery some Sean Connery line. for us today. I got Let's hear it. one line. It's my favorite. One of my favorite lines that he says in it is the moment when he's like, you know, he's so good at playing disappointed dad in this movie. He's like, surely he didn't, he wouldn't have brought the oh, yeah, diary brought the with diary him. And then yeah. he reveals that he did and he says, I should have mailed it to the Marx Brothers. <laughs> That's not a great Sean Connery, man. I hate to tell you. Come on. I was laughing in the middle of it. You're right. It wasn't give, good. Give us your best. Oh, you, you ruined it now. Now I'm on the spot. I can't do it. <laughs> I should have mailed it to the Mox Brothers. Was that yeah, good? No, no, that's really bad. Whatever, that's dude. Really it was bad. pretty good. It wasn't. But I will say, so for folks who are interested in coming to our trivia night, you have just answered a few of the questions that will be early on. So if they're oh, listening cool. to this episode, they're going to be prepared for our June 12th trivia night. I got a trivia question for you. Okay. This is really impossible. You're not going to get this. But do you know what they used for the sound effect of the fire in the scene where there's a fire in the... Um, no. They rubbed styrofoam cups. In the earthquake scene at the end where the earth is quaking, mm-hmm. <laughs> they rubbed balloons. Okay. And made. Where do you the look for your trivia? You know, you just Google. You just Google things. I would like to look at your Google yeah, search yeah. history. Also, another interesting okay, thing. Make it is a good one. The scene. <laughs> no promises. The scene where they're in the, the Zeppelin and they're like having the conversation yes. and they weren't wearing pants in that whole scene because it was so hot. Great trivia. Come on. That was your first really good piece of trivia. That was it? That was the one, yeah. I mean, compared to 2,000 disease-free rats, that's good I thought that's the, the one about the, him improvising the line. about. Yeah, that was, that good. was that's good. good. Except you ruined it with your impersonation. All right, another good line from Sean Connery is when they're in the plane, and he's like, 11 o'clock. And he goes, what happens at 11 o'clock? <laughs> that is good. 12, 11. I love that moment because he, yeah. he shoots their own yeah, letter or goes, whatever. They got us. They got us, yeah. So here's something I love about these films. As I rewatched all of them, and I thought about movies like The Goonies. Is it Alice and Duty? <laughs> Is that what you're going to say? No, but we can, <laughs> we'll come back to Alice and Duty. Here's what I love, though. They all happen in this world that, like, doesn't exist. I mean, like, yeah. in Nazi Germany, there's, like, staircases that, like, open up in the ground. And there's, By you know, sitting in a chair. There's this thousand-year-old cave or whatever where, like, there's, like... Blades that come out and chop your head off and all so this stuff. Cool. The world this is a that world they I imagined. Want to yes, like, yeah. if, and that's what I thought archaeology was when I was a kid. I mean, oh yeah, hundred percent. Everyone wanted to be an archaeologist yeah. back then. Yeah, a world in where in which booby traps are a thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you just this don't is the world we believed booby- existed yeah. as kids. There were booby traps everywhere. Every movie we loved as a kid had yeah. booby traps. Yes, <laughs> booty traps. That's what I said. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. No, it's good. We were both thinking it. <laughs> Anyway, that's what I was trying. What I was wanting to get to is not just that there's like trap doors and all this stuff, but like right. it's a world where booby traps are a thing. And like quicksand is like a thing that you're <laughs> likely going to experience in your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Don't go in that cave. There are booby traps for sure. There's so many ways in which the movie, all three of them, yeah. honestly are ridiculous. But like, there's a moment where they're running from all these Nazi guys and they get outside. And he starts this boat, and he sends a boat down the river. Yeah. And they, they disappear off screen for a second. And then they come bursting out of this box on a motorcycle. Yeah. And I just want to know, like, how did you get in that box in the amount of time <laughs> right. that, that we were watching? And also, what really bothers me about it is, why don't you just wait until they're gone? <laughs> wait till the boat well, has, left, down the river. has left the river. Yeah. 
before you come out because that gives you a and few then, more minutes, a few more seconds. Before. And then immediately after that, they're riding on the motorcycle and they drive by and he grabs this big flagpole uh-huh. and he jousts, jousts a yeah. guy. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. That is yeah. the most absurd thing. Yeah, yeah. But I loved it. Yeah, it's great. You know what's crazy to me? This was my introduction to Nazis. <laughs> I'd never heard of it. And in the scene where he sees like them and he's like, I hate these guys. Yeah, that's the I was like, what is that? Like Oompa Loompa? Like I, I li- it was like it was like this fantasy. You really didn't. I didn't know okay. what it was. I was but six you really years thought, old. Like Oompa Loompa was no, that, you um, like something like that, like yeah. a made up creature from another. You know, right. I was like, what's a Nazi? Yeah, true story. Yeah, this was my introduction to it. You know, it's funny about both Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. So Harrison Ford is like a really clumsy person. Oh, from really? What I've heard, yeah, yeah. But that comes through in the character. So, yeah, yeah. You know, he wins these fights and stuff, but it's never. He's like it's never like in heroic. Fashion, you know what I mean? Right. He's just this clumsy. He gets lucky a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I do too. And how, like, I think it's in Temple of Doom where he, the guy comes up with that big sword and he's like swinging it around. And he's gonna like fight him. That's Raiders. Harrison Ford, is it? That's Raiders. Yeah. And Harrison Ford just pulls out the gun and shoots him. Yeah. That was not in the script. It was because Harrison Ford was like really sick that day, and really? they, they had a whole choreographed fight scene, and they just scrapped it for him to do that. That's awesome. Because he was sick. They also had to staple. His fedora on his head to keep it from blowing away. So when you said that, I thought of Bill Murray in Scrooged when they're trying to get antlers stuck to the mice. Oh, yeah. Tried staples? Sorry. I also read that there were different versions of the script written by different people. Christopher Columbus. Christopher Chris Columbus. (laughs) Chris, not the Christopher Columbus, but Chris Columbus wrote uh, one version of it. And in his version of the script, it concluded with Indiana Jones' father, Henry... Rising to heaven upon discovery of the what? of the Grail, and Indy himself ended up at the end of that one marrying a former nun. Can you imagine that movie? That's a weird movie. I guarantee we wouldn't be talking about it right now. No, that's for <laughs> that's sure. the movie they made. That is for sure. Man, classic film, one of my favorites, one of the best. Yeah, one of the best. Will always be in my heart as one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I don't know that I would love the series as much if this wasn't a part of it. So, like Raiders and right. Temple are great, mm-hmm. but Last Crusade is the one that makes me love the series. It's the best. And then Allison Duty is just she's a stunning, stunning woman. I was, was one so of those, sad when to learn that she was a villain. I mean, she was a bad guy. I know you're kind of with Indiana. You're like you got to give her the benefit of the doubt. No matter what. Yeah, but then when she blows it at the end. So yeah. She gets what she deserves, if you ask me. <laughs> you okay? I was thinking about, uh, we were talking about her offline, and you said something like, oh, the last name is unfortunate, and I said, yeah. yes, in duty, <laughs> or whatever it was. That's right. duty it is. You're ridiculous. All right. Anyway, Aaron, uh, always a joy to have you on, especially hey, to talk about Great to have me. <laughs> I mean, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being on. Look forward to having you back again very soon. Yes, thanks for having me. It's always a joy. It's my favorite part of the week to listen to this podcast. So Nice. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. See you next time. See ya. Huge thanks to Houston's Comic Palooza for welcoming us out. We can't wait to hopefully come back in 2020, most likely to discuss another favorite franchise threequel, Back to the Future 3. But before I get ahead of myself, after my conversation with Aaron, I had the distinct pleasure of hopping on a call with Richard Young. 
the actor that played the character Fedora who, despite only being in the first 17 minutes of the film, is actually vital to the whole mythology of Indiana Jones. Here's our conversation about his time on set with Steven Spielberg, Sean Connery, River Phoenix, and of course, Indy himself, Harrison Ford. Richard, thanks so much for being on 30 Pop today. Good to be here, Luke. So we're celebrating 30 years of truly one of my favorite movies from my childhood, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, in which you played the very memorable character, Fedora. Yeah, that was a good memory for me as well. I was very uh, pleased and honored that Stephen picked me out of the lineup for that one. Yeah. So can you tell me how that happened? I mean, you got to work with just some major, major names in film. What was that like? You know, it was a little uh, daunting when I first went in. You know, I had worked with Steven a couple of years prior to that, three years actually, uh, doing an amazing stories, playing Davy Crockett at the Alamo. So he had a glimpse of my work then. And But by the time we met again, I had gone on a couple of adventures, specifically going into the jungles of Guatemala and uh, retrieving some Mayan pottery. So he got a big kick out of that. It might have helped push me in the direction of the the character I played, in his (laughs) eyes anyway. Yeah. What's the story there? Well, I I like to take these trips, and I went off looking for intrigued with Mayan, uh, the Mayan culture, Mayan pottery. So I wanted to bring back some artifacts. I went into it not knowing it was totally illegal to bring that stuff out. So I had to sort of smuggle it in a sense. However, I was snitched on by one of the locals down there and uh, wound up having to not even go back to the hotel to collect my things. I had to get out of there in a hurry. Oh my gosh. So I did have a potential buyer in Beverly Hills who wanted the pottery, but I elected not to sell it. I wanted to keep it as a souvenir for that particular uh, adventure I went on. I still have it sitting on my shelf. That's amazing. So the character of Fedora being like an archaeological looter of sorts wasn't too much of a stretch. That's exactly what I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. So, but there was clearly no River Phoenix to stop you from stealing this time. Yeah, we had a pretty good giggle about that in the meeting. And I remember um, telling him the story. And, you know, he, I remember he picked up the phone and told the secretary to cancel the rest of the meetings for the potential (laughs) fedoras. So that's kind of how that went down. And they had an offer out to me before I was able to drive home. That's amazing. Okay, so I'm curious what it was like knowing that your character would be the origin story of sort of the most memorable parts of who Indiana Jones is. I mean, you're sort of Indiana Jones 1.0 in this film. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I hadn't, we hadn't really discussed that in advance, and I didn't really think of it in that sense. I just looked into who the guy was and how I wanted to uh, play him. I didn't want to try to imitate in any way Harrison's character. I wanted my guy to be original on his own. And so I just tried to keep myself into this is happening. This is what I do for a living. And um, I try not to let too many things get in my way. I did see that he needed 
to have some kind of a moral compass. I know when I when we were filming the scene in the cave when we first discover the cross, we had a couple of different versions, and one of the versions after we discover Phoenix, everyone scrambles and they all trip over themselves, and I wind up walking over the backs and heads of my gang mm-hmm. members, kind of like tromping on everybody to get to him, and Stephen thought that was a little over the top, so... <laughs> We redid it uh, with a little gentler version. But anyway, it stayed in tune with him having, as I say, some kind of a moral compass, a line that he wouldn't cross. He didn't want to actually, you know, hurt young Indiana. He just wanted to get the cross back. Yeah, it's funny because that's how the character always struck me, is you were kind of the only one in that gang that wasn't just a thug. You know, you were set apart. And even as you were sort of chasing young Indiana, there's sort of a respect there or like a, a kindness and, you know, even in giving him the hat at the end and saying, you lost today, kid, doesn't mean you have to like it. You know, there's still this sort of like coach pat on the butt thing going of like, you know, stay the course. You know, it's interesting. Again, I wasn't really thinking in those terms. I was trying to discover the change in emotions as we went along. But that moment when I'm on the back of the train watching young Indiana run down the tracks, that whole moment was actually spontaneous when I grow to become fond of his puckiness, you know, to be able to get away from us. Uh, That was a completely spontaneous response and really not scripted. Hmm. But Stephen was, you know, for him to stay on me that long is not that normal in the way they edit. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I was nine years old when this movie came out, but I remember when in this opening scene, seeing it in theaters and just being really confused. I guess my nine-year-old brain, I couldn't follow that River Phoenix was Indiana Jones younger, you know? And so when it showed you, I was like, well, they've got a different person playing Indiana Jones because you looked so similar, you know, with the hat and the jacket. And then once it sort of clicked for me who was who and what was going on, I wanted so much to see more of the young Indiana Jones story and sort of, you know, you and him battling it out over time. I remember wishing there were movies that followed that storyline also, all the prequel movies. Well, you know, there was some talk after they looked at the dailies of the chemistry between River and I and the potential of those two characters. River and I talked about it and River had spoken with Stephen about it, and they were going to, as I understand it, this is through River. I had to move on to another project uh, rather quickly, but they were going to develop something, as I understand it, for the two of us, uh, you know, and we both had commitments, you know, quite a little ways down the road, but uh, that was in the works, and, you know, unfortunately it ended the tragic way it did. So that I think when George took the young Indiana Jones Chronicles on the television. I think that he had to start fresh with, uh, you know, new people. I think my presence in that would have been a little bit too much bringing back the memory of uh, the loss of River. I've gotten that quite a little bit from different fans and interviewers saying, you know, everybody seemed to want to see more of those two characters. So it's a, For me now, it's very gratifying when I hear that. I'm sure. So I'm curious what it was like working with Sean Connery and if you had any sort of FaceTime with Harrison, what that was like. I remember my first day of shooting, we shot the transfer of the hat, which was the key scene Mm -hmm. in my part of the film. And it was really a high pressure type day. (laughs) 
you know, everybody was there to see if I was going to pull it off or not, the dialogue part of it. And they saw me walking around. Originally, I was, my outfit, for instance, was a, a brown jacket. And they decided to change it at the last minute to a black jacket. So they ran out and they dyed my brown jacket black and they pushed the scene to after lunch so that they could do that. And then they gave me some script changes at the last minute. And then when I walked into the house, it was a full house. Everybody was there, including Harrison, to just watch me do that scene. And I believe we did it in one take. That was a big uh, monkey off my back once we got past that one. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it was one of those where you take a deep breath and say, here we go. That's amazing. Well, truly one of my all-time favorite films. It seems to be the case with a lot of people. It's hard to believe, but 30 years later, from time to time, I still have people walking up to me and asking for an autograph. They recognize me from being in the movie. I said, my God, you know, it really is hard to believe. So I'm glad that it has had the longevity very seldom does a project come along that you have an opportunity to do that has this kind of resonance. And, you know, it has had, as I understand it through fan mail, et cetera, it's had a positive effect on a lot of uh, young men, which, uh, you know, the message was uh, don't give up, keep going. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have that as part of my legacy as an actor. Wow. Well, man, thank you so much, Richard, for being a part of 30 Pop and for sharing just some of your memories about this phenomenal movie and your role therein. I appreciate the time, Luke, and glad that you and everyone has enjoyed it as much. Oh, so much. All right. Thanks so much, Richard. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed chatting with Richard about his role in this fantastic film. Huge thanks to him for being a part of this episode. He also shared a really great story about some fun that he and Harrison had on set that you can hear along with a ton of other bonus content from this and other Milieu Media Group podcasts by partnering with me for as little as $1 a month at the Patreon link in the show notes for this episode. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's simply a platform by which folks can invest in the work I'm doing of building a podcast network from the ground up in exchange for access to exclusive content. I'll be back next week to talk a little more about Indiana Jones, as well as one of my all-time favorite movies from Oscar winner Robin Williams, Dead Poet Society, and its cinematic antithesis, No Holds Barred, starring Hulk Hogan and Tiny Lister, neither of whom, shockingly, have even been considered for an Oscar. Until then, once again, if you're in Houston, mark your calendars for Wednesday, June 12th at 7 p.m. for the first of our new monthly 30 Pop Trivia Nights at Cafeza. There will be beer, wine, coffee, prizes, and perhaps the greatest 80s music playlist ever assembled. Not to mention lots and lots of good vibes. So get a team together, get a babysitter, or don't because it'll be kid-friendly, and come have fun basking in the sweet, nostalgic rays of yesteryear. Thanks so much for listening, friends. I'll see you next week for episode 16. But in the meantime, whatever you do, don't call me Junior. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Milieu Media Group, visit milieumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. 
And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.